2: hello and welcome to the brick Rest roundtable this is the Brixton edition we're going to be talking about chapter 36 for progress of uh, the biggest show ever at the Brixton Academy on uh, who is joining me hello hello on <laughs> uh was there at the show and I was not but I have reviewed it for the site uh that will be should be out by the time this drops. And we'll be talking about everything that went on over that weekend. Uh, We'll also be talking about um, WCPW's latest iPay-Per-View foray, and whether that worked or not. (laughs) Spoilers, (laughs) it did not. Uh, And uh, a few other things as well. So we'll get into it with the progress. And Chapter 36 had a lot of build-up. Uh, we covered it quite a lot, so I think we should just go straight into the action and the matches and talk about the actual show rather than um, the build-up to it, and then we can get on to like what happened afterwards and all the, all the lads' banter, etc. Shenanigans. <laughs> the shenanigans. Um, so yeah, the first match was for the first ever Atlas Championship reign for either Rampage Brown or Joe Coffey, the end of the Atlas tournament. Uh, what did you think of the tournament, and what did you think of this match?
1: Um, well, first of all, I'd say that it was it was kind of incredible being in the uh, in Brixton Academy. Uh, I don't know how it came across on tape. Did, did um, it come I was, across like really atmospheric, or
2: I was going to say it kind of looked like an awkward venue to hold wrestling in because it's you had kind of because
1: the... the 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 uh, ring was on the stage. Yeah, um, and then like you had the the crowd kind of out in front of that, so there was hardly any um, fans around the ring. There was only like a couple of rows on each side, and then the one side had like two and a half thousand people on it. Um, but it's kind of weird because there wasn't like a bad place to to sit. I mean, I was kind of on the floor and like back about halfway on the left, and my view was completely fine. Which uh, I mean, your call cool. you can you can go to and be eight rows back and have a shitty view, mm. uh, because the the floor in the in the uh, in the Brixton Academy is ever so slightly like uh, there's like a, um like a little gradient there as it goes up from like where the stage is to the back. It's like a false floor, um, so you can kind of see over people, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't know what it was like up on the balcony, but fr- from speaking to people it's uh the the general consensus is that it was a really good venue to to watch but i I just wondered what it was like uh like on video i mean i've watched the the video but like i was remembering what it was like there so it's probably not the same
2: it did seem a little awkward like you had just kind of a hundred people around the ring and then this vast swathe of people uh on just one side of the ring and it like you never really got a feel for just how many people there were there until FSU like ran down the aisle and partied hard with everyone um like on that side. Like it seemed like the wrestlers were kind of treating it like a normal venue and didn't really know how to like interact with the crowd on that side as well as they could have if it was like a typical electric ballroom style uh venue. Uh, it's kind of
1: tough because like you had the upper the upper deck like the, the tier that's above um and if you went out into the crowd they couldn't see but the like yeah, everywhere could see the ring perfectly so i think they kind of made the decision to stick around there because when there was uh like when you saw an fs you were out there in the crowd uh, Mark Andrews did a little uh, little flip off the uh, the lower balcony, and you, I'm pretty sure you couldn't see that from anywhere on the top. Because <laughs> I don't you know, think I even noticed
2: it yourself. during the match. So <laughs> it definitely <laughs> happened. Did... I could see it from where I was. So uh, um,
1: he did
2: an unacknowledged flip.
1: But yeah, the, the atmosphere in the building was like before the show. You kind of you, you know how it's like a progress where it all you get that build up beforehand. Where, where there's certain music cues that kick in and you're like, oh, it's com- it's going to yeah. start soon. So they did the whole uh, start from the bottom. Uh, I think it's Drake. Is it Drake?
2: It is Drake, yes. Yeah.
1: So they played that, but they played like a video that went along with it and they put this onto mm-hmm. the, um, uh, on the VOD. And watching that in the, uh, in the venue, that felt very special because it's like, this is where we started and this is where we are now. And it, it played off really well. And... After that, I think it's, uh, either after that or just before that, they played uh, the CKY song, the um, the theme music for the, the yeah, Chris the... Travis used. I, I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, um,
2: Ninety six, quite bitter beings. There we go. Uh,
1: so that that played, and as soon as people recognised what it was, everyone was was on their feet. Yeah, and like you had the whole crowd standing up, applauding for for like the whole length of the song, and. I, I must admit I, I got choked up just having everyone come together like that and just stand there and applaud. It was, it was a beautiful moment.
2: Awesome. Yeah. It did seem like very much a moments show. And like, especially if you were in the live crowd, it came off like that very well, knowing all the moments before I watched them and not being in the live crowd, to like react and flip my shit. Like, uh, It didn't come off quite as well. I feel like, especially uh, the Jimmy Havoc moment at the end of the show, like yeah, was was very diminished. Knowing it was going to happen and not being there live to react to it, it was still cool, but like yeah, like it didn't translate to me.
1: I've I've kind of taken us off track a little bit. So if we get back to the uh, (laughs) back to the opening match before we start
2: talking about the main event, yeah, Um,
1: the the Atlas tournament, like like we said uh, before. There's been a feeling that it just hasn't quite worked. That they've had some bad luck with injuries and, and the booking isn't, hasn't worked out because of that. And I think we're all like, we're hyped up for the final, thinking, well, at least the final's going to be really good. And I don't know about you, but I, I thought it was kind of flat.
2: Yeah, I've written in my review that uh, people should just go and watch their first match, uh, which was a lot better than this. It was It was still a decent match, but they didn't get enough time to really like play off the story that they had tied in the past so it just came off like they were just having a wrestle and there wasn't really any past to it there wasn't any there was, there like big meaning kind of behind related, it it didn't feel like a championship draw, match
1: um, like the when they went out onto the floor and started uh, throwing elbows down there that kind of was a throwback to what happened in the first match um, I, I, something I've noticed recently about uh, Joe Coffey is that I don't think he's as strong as he thinks he is. Uh, <laughs> you see him trying to go for like these uh these, I can't remember if it's this match or another match I've seen recently, but he went to do the uh, his like giant swing and he just couldn't do it because uh Rampage was too heavy. Yeah. And there's, there's other things that he's that he's doing where it's just like the, the timing's not quite there. And I, I don't know if he's just going through a bit of a stretch at the moment where he's uh he's trying to perform above the level that he's at.
2: Which I can do. certainly happen, especially like on the Euro scene, where like there's such high standards, but not everyone can meet them. Yeah, and, like I mean, Joe,
1: Joe's, Joe's a really good wrestler, but um, there's things that I've seen him do recently where I'm like, eh, that, that didn't really come off, uh, and maybe he should stick yeah.
2: to, to what he's really good at. And generally, like I feel like putting this on first kind of not devalued the championship, but it. It just meant that it never had any chance to really succeed. It could only merely be a a good match and not a great one.
1: I think the crowd the crowd was ready for something big, and it, it didn't quite deliver in that slot. Um, mm. If it was on any other show, I think it would have been fine, like in the middle of the the card somewhere. And it it was it was an okay match, uh, but it was probably for me. I think it was probably the well, apart from the other match that you didn't get to see. I would say it was probably the the low point of the show, which absolutely shocked me, because I was expecting it to be, um, you know, on on a par with the mm. with what they did in the in the block match, where they had the fifteen minute draw.
2: The problem is the only way the match would have really worked is if it had gone beyond fifteen minutes, which is really what they should have done, but they obviously didn't have the time to on this particular card. So it's a, a matter of circumstance meant that. They couldn't like fulfill the potential of the match and oh. the story.
1: It's unfortunate. I mean, uh, I, I think the uh, the big lads division is going to be good going forwards because uh, Rampage is a great wrestler, and he's he's good at that big lad style. I think whoever they get to challenge him, it's it's going to be a good match. Mm. But it's unfortunate that the, the whole tournament to get there, it it had a far few highs than we were hoping for, and it's very rare that we say this about progress. So it's these these things happen though.
2: I feel the tournament will be remembered for just two matches, the um the Kofi, coffee, coffee even <laughs> the Coffee, uh Rampage, Group Match and uh Walter versus uh Mastiff as part of a super strong style. Those are the two matches which defined the tournament and then everything else was nothing else was bad, but nothing else was particularly good either, so
1: yeah, the, the, like you said, the, the standard was was kind of there, but I, d- I don't think anybody killed it apart from those two matches that you you mentioned, which is unfortunate. You, you kind of hope when you have a new title and you have a big tournament final that that match is going to be an absolute killer. It's going to be the best match in the tournament, and it, it wasn't.
2: Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the second match, which was a ton of fun. Uh, yes. Six-man, or six-woman yes, even, six woman. between uh, Ginny, uh, Alex Windsor and dahlia <laughs> who else <laughs> dahlia, dahlia black <laughs> how can you forget dahlia black uh versus nixon Newell, pollyanna and laura di matteo um like i say ton of fun right from the entrances um laura di matteo was uh much perkier than usual uh you know got running around high-fiving everyone um he had uh, dahlia black being awful with tk cooper who was who had stolen one of my girlfriend's dresses for this occasion uh, what what it's was like he a, wearing he was wearing dungarees, <laughs> who wears dungarees?
1: Just... I, I i insulted him because I, I reviewed this show for uh, for 411 and i i called him a dick and a cunt in the review for coming out dressed like that because let's face it
2: that's just. It's embarrassing, isn't it? But, like, he's a heel. He did so... look like a massive dick.
0: <laughs>
1: he, he did. He did. I almost felt sorry for insulting him because he's already insulted himself by wearing that to the ring. But, uh... yeah. The ladies are all good, though. Uh, like, all the women in this match all did uh, terrific work. Um, it's nice that. Uh because uh, we've seen some women's wrestling uh all over the place at the moment people are trying to push women's wrestling because it's it's a draw um i'm really glad progress are doing it the right way they, they've built up their own talent um they've had like uh, uh various feuds involving the these these six women and now they're going to do a tournament as well for the natural progression series four and they've already got like six women that are over and chances are if they're doing an eight uh, an eight woman tournament, they only need to find two more that will that are really good, and it should be terrific.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that I really liked about this match was that in- interconnecting feuds thing going on. Like as soon as one woman stepped into the ring, uh, and like the commentary would always have something to say about what she felt about the woman she was facing at that moment. Like they all played off of each other really well. Like they've built up the feuds really well. Obviously Nixon and Alex Windsor only have the one match between each other, but it still felt very personal between the two. Like they had unfinished beef, and the other four have been feuding between each other for about a year now. So they have a lot of history together. Well, yeah, and...
1: Alex and Nixon just—they kind of slipped into that uh, that mm. whole uh, organic thing that's going on. It's like there was natural uh, hatred between all the people in this in this match, and um, the, the work was really strong as well
2: yeah uh, i thought uh laura de mateo shined um because she she got to hit a lot of really I, cool moves I, I, I and... for laura's neck
1: she, <laughs> she landed on her, her neck and like uh you know right at the top of the back a couple of times in this match and I, it's time to make me wince because she's Damn. not like a very big girl she's no oh, about five five maybe and you it just makes me, me. It's like the the Sasha Banks thing, where like every time she goes for a, for a tope, I'm kind of scared she's going to kill herself. Um, I kind of get that with, with Laura as well, even though she seems to be landing them a bit safer. It's like she's she's throwing herself onto a her neck just to kind of, uh, you know, prove a point almost so that she can hang with uh, with these other girls, and uh, mm. so I worry that she's going to get hurt.
2: But uh, in the six-man environment, I think, six-woman environment, she did really well because she didn't have to construct a match around for really cool moves. She'd just got to do what she does best, and that's, like, fling herself around. Uh, Ginny did really well as her foil and, like, threw some really cool... There was a cool spot where Dahlia threw knees into Pollyanna and then chucked her into Ginny, who did the... Uh, not quite a C4, but something a bit like it into the corner. And like that, just looked like it decked Pollyanna, which was uh, one of the highlights of the match. Um, In terms of and image, yeah, I think the fast I think Ginny has
1: improved a lot.
2: Ginny hasn't improved like, a Ginny lot, but Ginny has definitely. improved a great deal. She she just, feels like a veteran presence with well, the other women now.
1: She's always had the the heat. She always had no problem at all getting reactions. Um, but like her match structure was always a little bit like you know stomps and. You know there wasn't much to yeah. it, but uh, like the structure of the matches now is, it has like a, it feels like she's leading the match, like she really wants to take charge, and she feeds the comebacks in so well, and her selling's improved. It's like the the difference between like her now and her when she first came into to progress. It's it's a huge jump, and she's on her way up. I think she's going to get even better.
2: This is why I still feel confident for uh, a Ginny Laura rematch after the first match kind of flopped, I feel like they have improved since then even just a few months ago, I think they've improved since then and have more confidence uh, so I would like to see them do that again, I would have liked to see them do that here to be honest I, I had some questions surrounding the six woman deal, like is was it just a throw of a women into one match um, thing going on I would have maybe preferred the grudge match for this stage but We'll see if they go go back to it down the line. I'm sure they will because I'm the sure ending of will. this match set it up. So
1: they uh, they very deliberately put all of them on this show just to give them a chance to um, you know show off in front of a big crowd. Um, so I appreciate that when, when I know you're saying about the the one grudge match, but they're trying to get the whole division over ahead of like natural progression series mm. four. Um, and they did that here. Like everyone got over. Everyone uh, was was really good in this match
2: completely agree like it was it was exactly the sort of match that i needed like i was in the mood for that kind of fast-paced fun not very serious but just like all action turn your brain off stuff and they delivered it this is one of my favorite matches on the show maybe my second favorite match
1: oh wow big praise I, i didn't
2: have it anywhere near that that high but i definitely enjoyed it
1: um, um the after this match uh was uh, William Eva against Sebastian, which was completely removed from uh from the, the VOD yeah. because of what happened. Uh do you want to explain the uh, what what happened live?
2: Well you were there live, so yeah, they, you go for it.
1: Okay, so they do the introductions and like Seb as he's being introduced like turns around in the middle of the ring and Eva. Batters him with Hilarious, like the um, does he call it Closed Eye from Heaven?
2: I believe so. Yeah, I think that's a good that's name. What he calls it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> really throws himself into that thing, and it, it looked brutal. And so Seb hits the deck. He makes the uh, Eva makes the cover, and the ref counts, and it's a three count. It's it's over. Like Sebastian doesn't kick out, doesn't move, and the refs like, hang on, that wasn't the finish. So he stops counting, and Eva like gets off the cover and Seb doesn't move and he's he's out, completely knocked Mm. out and at that point they just go, oh Uh, the match stops like uh, Glenn Joseph comes down, jumps into the ring to check on him and they have paramedics coming and stuff and it's that's it, match's over Yeah. Uh, if you're the referee, do you count to three there? Because he's out
2: this is why uh WWE train their referees to always count to three, um, even if like it's not supposed to be the finish, just because like it, it's kayfabe, covering. But like in this situation, that doesn't really matter so much as the health of the guy. So I, it's a yeah, non-issue, well, I guess.
1: It, it kind of turned out to be fine in the end because he was just knocked out. Whereas like, yeah, you know he could have suffered some very serious uh, neck injury just based on the uh, the snap he got on his bump. Uh, It's just one of those things that happens. I I was pleased that um, Sebastian was fine afterwards uh, because the the worry Mm -hmm. um, when you're there in the live crowd is like, I I really hope he's okay because that, you know, it looked bad. Uh,
2: I obviously didn't see it live, but yeah, it sounded pretty scary by all accounts. So I'm glad that he appears to be okay well, like, I worry for his long term health I guess but uh, it seems like everything's okay
1: I don't think they've had anything like that happen before in, in progress and it's and, until you're there, until um, it's it's happening, it's very hard to deal with that and uh, I think they did a good job of it I and mean, um, Jim had to come and talk to the audience and just say like just kind of talk about yourselves for a minute you know this this is very serious injury uh, and <laughs> I'm not fucking about," is what he said. Because uh, yeah, the, some uh, like part of the crowd was chanting "one more time." That was he didn't know it was a a, a legitimate injury. They mm. thought it was a storyline. So um, yeah, it, it it worked out okay. I I feel bad for um, the guys because they probably had a, a a pretty decent match worked out and they didn't get to do it.
2: Well, I, it appears that that story is over now, essentially, because Sebastian won't be coming back anytime soon, and obviously we've criticised the story, so um, it's somewhat mercifully over, but obviously we wouldn't want it to happen in this uh, kind of scenario, but yeah, Eva can now move on to something else.
1: Yeah, that was unfortunate, but um, and it, it took a while afterwards to get the uh the crowd kind of back into the show again.
2: I, yeah, I can imagine. Like, it it's like it kind of mirrors the Enzo Amore situation from earlier. Like, it just kills interest in the rest of the show until you know that he's at least like moving around and generally okay. Yeah,
1: but the, there was only one more match in the first half, so it's like the the atmosphere kind of sank a bit for that that one match. Yeah, and then it kind of came back again in the second half because there was an announcement during like the half uh, time that Seb was uh, up and walking around and that he was all right. And it was like, oh, okay. f- Christ for that. So uh, it kind of allowed us to get back into the show. And at the time, because uh, the next match is the tag title match. Uh, so it was the London riots and British Strong style. And I was really looking forward to this match. And when it started, it, it, like everyone's down and I, I was down. yeah And even before the match, uh, Trent Seven... Um, uh, has a pop at Rob Lynch saying he's uh, he's not strong style because he got injured the night before, and I, I can't remember the exact details of it. But Big Rob had some pretty gnarly injuries. He got like a, a broken orbital bone, I think, and a, a broken mm-hmm. nose uh, from a, a match he'd had in um, uh, Preston uh, for Preston City the night before. Uh, so, for, but like Trent com, comes out and says that, and all of a sudden the crowd like oh, and you could just hear the the, the kind of the, the interest in the match kind of drop off a bit because it's like, well oh, we don't really want to see him get hurt because we just saw somebody else get hurt. And it, it took about half the match before the crowd were back in there.
2: Okay. So here's the the difference between going to it live versus watching it on video because uh, this was my favourite match in the whole show. um I mean, It wasn't an amazing match by any means. I didn't think any match on the show was great, but this was my favourite of all the matches uh i eat up british strong style for breakfast um <laughs> Lunch and, end, yeah, yeah. The, this definitely played to what i wanted to see which was four guys levering each other um it was, it was definitely better of being uh, removed from the seb situation live means yeah. i could enjoy this one a lot more
1: well because I, I watched the whole thing on on vod afterwards because i wanted to see what it was like on there and i enjoyed this match a lot more the second time around yeah the first time round, I was a little bit disappointed with it, uh, mainly because of the 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 whole the, the vibe coming off the uh, the Sebastian injury. But yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's just a shade under four stars for me.
2: I'd I'd Very go much. there, yeah. Um, like the way British Strong Style worked around the injury and like. Just always went to like poke poke him in the eye and like grab him by the head, and that uh, must that, have sucked that really as well. Worked. With the <laughs> <laughs> you've got a, yeah. a
1: broken orbital bone, you got somebody uh,
2: smacking your head with the cricket bat. That's uh, that's bad news. Uh, there were spots in this match which I found overly cutesy, like all the um, like tandem biting bits and like let's do- let's all do the mo- same move at the same time. It just felt kind of over, like too overly rehearsed for like such a, a a big guy match that it it felt too cutesy and like I'd rather just see straight up (laughs) because like we've had this sort of discussion like what is strong style, no one really knows what it is I guess strong style is just none of the over-rehearsed stuff just levering each other like lariats and all that stuff and there was a lot of that here but the match kind of dragged when they were trying to do the showpiece stuff
1: I, I quite like the um like, when the match ended, uh, there's, like, this shock of silence. And then there's, like, this jeering. And when I was watching it live, it's like the, I, I jumped out of my chair and screamed, yes, <laughs> when, when, uh, when they won the, uh, the belt. And I think there was maybe, like, three other people in the building that did that. Mm. And then, like, everyone else started booing. Um, so I was interested to see how that came off on tape, but I, I don't think you can hear me. So I was quite far back in the building, which is good because um, another thing that kind of pissed me off um, uh, being there live was right behind me was the section of guys that they were trying to get the moose thing off. Oh, ooh.
2: and you <laughs> did you have words with them?
1: <laughs> I, I was Shit. just down on on the on that part of the crowd. And it was right behind. like right, like Literally, I was at the back of like the, the, the first block of seats, and then this was somewhere in the, the front. I didn't even look round, so I was just like, ugh. Oh.
2: Um, Wait, well, you were wearing your British Strong Style shirt, so you were I wasn't, inadvertently I wasn't flipping it. off. I wasn't wearing it at the show. <laughs> I should have been. Um,
1: but, uh, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of pissed me off. And, that was kind of how far back I was. That I don't think my noise was making it to the to the front. Yeah, uh, which which is a good thing because it means you can't really hear the uh, the the moose stuff on the. Um...
2: I heard the moose stuff a couple of times on the show, but not nothing overtly. Yeah, it wasn't as annoying Fucking as it was moose stuff. <laughs> Fucking moose, yeah. Uh, since you're um. Have having a a, a nag about uh, your section of the crowd. Can I have a nag about um, the one guy who kept running up to the ring and like touching the wrestlers and like hugging them and shit? Because I want to nag about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Damn, stop thinking you're the show. You're not the show. Stop. Yeah, that's my nag. <laughs> you you are not the show. Sit down and suck a lemon.
1: I I was I was pleased with how the crowd reacted to a lot of the show. But uh, yeah, I kind of that's a bit overboard. Um, you did get a lot of good stuff, like when, um, uh, like with, I'm getting ahead of myself again, with the the FSU match and sorry the FSU Origin match, and uh, when Jimmy Havoc came out. the the reactions in the building were just fucking incredible
2: yeah i I definitely enjoyed the reactions and like even just the individual reactions of people like just like going mental and like they can't even believe what they're seeing that's that's what i really like it's when like you just see natural reactions and not people like hamming it up and like trying to be seen that's 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 not what it's about it's about fucking enjoying yourself not like pretending you are the show that's that's just my my soapbox rant for today. I, I, I assume that that guy was really enjoying himself. He, I'm I'm sure he was enjoying himself, but he just needs to enjoy himself less ostentatiously. <laughs> <laughs> Anti fun police for here. Oh for a, no. The attack. Yeah, for,
1: for the for the crowd in general, I I enjoyed the crowd. I I was kind of thinking you've got two and a half thousand people in there. You've normally got seven hundred in in the ballroom. I was worried that you'd kind of lose some of that atmosphere, but it, you really didn't lose a lot of it, it, just a little bit.
2: It translated very well. Like I feel Obviously the people right at the back weren't getting heard on the cameras, but uh, even though you couldn't really tell how big the crowd was just by looking at it, and uh, they maybe could have done a better job of make- making that 2400 number look like 2400, but they certainly sounded like 2400. It sounded really good.
1: Yeah, they, they definitely got the miking up right, and the I thought all the camera work was really strong. Um, they, they had a couple of guys roaming around with cameras, and you get the cuts from uh, to them sometimes when uh, uh, like there was crowd action. Uh, you have the guys out there, so you could really kind of capture the the atmosphere of what what it was like. It's it wasn't you couldn't quite tell what it was like, but it was enough so you could kind of grasp what the what the building was like to be in. And was, One thing I did, like,
2: production-wise was seeing the video board in all its glory, because before yes. we've just had, like, a dim projection, and you couldn't, re- like, what was going what's going on. So, you can see the names and, like, generally the shapes going on there, but, like, it was fun seeing all the video, like, all the little trons of everyone in, like, their full glory, and, like, I noticed details, but I hadn't seen before, like, Zack Sabre Jr.'s little British flag unzipping itself into his oh. name. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that a little bit well, there was and that also and uh... obviously when Jimmy Havoc came out and the, just the die Havoc die <laughs> with like the blood flowing down the screen that was great
1: it was also an, uh, an excellent tool for for watching the show uh, like I'm saying there weren't any bad seats but you can never see what's happening down uh, when, when the action comes outside the ring and it's kind of down on the floor you can't see that um, mm. in that kind of building regardless of how good the view is uh, unless you're right at the front. So having the, the, the video wall behind the ring uh, allowed me to not miss a thing. The, the only problem was yeah, that sometimes I kind of looked up at the at the screen instead of watching what was happening in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've come all this way I'd to watch a television. Basically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it
1: worked. It worked very well.
2: Awesome. Uh, so we'll move on to the second half now. And that started off with... Um... A rubber match between Zack Saber Junior. and the it departing difference. Tommaso shampa Oh, of course not. I'm fucking jumping ahead. It's uh, Paul Robinson versus Chuck Mambo yes. impromptu. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I've been impromptued by Paul Robinson's vile, yeah, you, you, were you looking vile original, the original,
1: <laughs> the original uh, yeah. <laughs> scorecard, as it were. Yeah. Um, when Robinson came out and demanded a match, that was the point at which everyone in the crowd is going. <gasps> It's Jimmy Havoc here, <laughs> and I mean, I think it has uh, Ian had even like uh, queued a tweet up saying like uh, uh ready for Jimmy Havoc or something along those lines, but um, yeah, and then it was Chuck Mambo, and everyone was like, Oh, oh,
2: <laughs> here's some beach balls,
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing is they immediately salvage the reaction by. Turning the entire building into a massive party and throwing a mm. load of beach balls out of the uh, at the back of the venue, and all I of very sudden... much
2: enjoy the beach ball entrance. Yeah, they like... did that at super strong style, and that was because like no one particularly cared about that match; it was just a filler match. But like, then the beach balls come out, and it's like, yeah, beach have a party, and the yeah. match was benefited as a result. All jobbers should get like some sort of <laughs> <image>. <laughs> prop <laughs> to throw around.
1: Well, no, that worked very effectively. I mean, the match was essentially just a squash. It was yeah. it was like ninety percent Robinson, and it was just there to remind us that, like, he he's a real threat uh, coming back into progress. Uh, and I thought he killed it. I thought he did a, a tremendous job. Um, uh, Alan uh, Coonan was saying that he felt like Robinson's performance was was the best on the show. Um, I probably wouldn't go that far, but I thought he, he did do exceedingly well in getting his character across and reminding people of, of exactly who the fuck he is.
2: Definitely. It was a good reintroduction for the character. He's one of my favourites. Uh, I've been like calling for him to come back pretty much ever since he left. So, very happy that he's back and hopefully back in uh, an upper card main event mix.
1: Well, from the way they treated him, I would have thought so because... I mean, he absolutely crushed
2: uh, poor Chuck. Mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, don't think they have any plans for Mambo.
1: <laughs> no, what? The, this is the thing with a lot of the uh Projo guys when they, when they come out of there, it's like that they're not working that much. You know, they're working like Endeavour shows, and I, I don't know about you, but I think they're not really getting the uh, the level of progression that you would hope they would at this stage. I mean, mm. how, how long? Me- should-
2: I think maybe a resolution to that would be having some sort of dark match before a chapter show for Projo guys and like untested guys. I Maybe like that would help them just get more experience on a bigger stage because Endeavor's good, you know, they get bookings elsewhere. Um, but maybe they need some bigger show experience. Well, uh, how, like how a, a, is... young, a young Lions division, basically.
1: How long has, has Chuck Mambo been
2: wrestling for? Four or five years. It's I like putting you on the he's spot. He's the same class yeah. as Damon Moser and either. So.
1: Yeah, well let me put it like this. How long has Joe Hendry been wrestling for? Joe Hendry uh, has been wrestling. I for, know. Joe Hendry has been wrestling for three years. Okay. And, and look, I'd say look he's look more where like he than Chuck <laughs> uh, because he works for ICW and he wrestles all the time. Uh compared to the guys that have come out of the projo. And it doesn't always necessarily work, but like you get experience you get the more uh, in ring time you get the better you're going to get and I feel like uh, the likes of of Mambo uh, and Damon Moser they would really benefit from from just working more frequently in front of a crowd
2: definitely I think I went on cage match uh, for Damon Moser to see how many matches he'd been in and on cage match recorded he's only had 40 matches or so in yeah. like three years. In three so. years, how, how many
1: do you think Hendry's had? I'm putting you on the spot again there, but uh, it's got to be way more than that. Way more. I'm just going to quickly look it up and see what, uh, see how many he's had. See, yeah, so he's had 170 matches over the last three years. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is a massive difference, and I think it shows where he's at uh, and where like Mambo and Moser are at. You just need to get that experience. You need to get that in-ring experience.
2: It's a fair point. Uh, and two guys who have had much experience, Zack Saber Jr. and Tommaso shampoo Yes. We can now talk about uh, <laughs> yes, what did you think of uh, their third match together? See, I love this match.
1: I, I I'm waiting to see what uh, what you didn't like about it because you must have disliked something, otherwise you wouldn't have had it like pegged as third best match on the show or. Possibly
2: even lower than that, whatever. But um, I, I haven't actually read your review yet. Uh, it hasn't dropped yet. It'll probably drop as we're recording this, right. actually. So okay. it will, it'll be there by the time this is up. Um, so I, I, I just
1: really like technical uh, wrestling, and this this match was, was very, very technical.
2: It, it was perhaps overly technical. I thought the first fall, there were technically only two falls, but the first mm-hmm. fall was very slow, and... I was sort of gearing up for a free-fall pace. I think I already knew that it was only two falls and that they tied the first fall, but like the way it was being wrestled was like, okay, this is the first fall, then they'll crescendo up to the second and then the third, and then it never happened like that, and it was maybe a little disappointing, but like there was just no build-up to that final fall, and they just kind of went from... Uh, like, the technical stuff, and then just a the double pin, and then straight into um, the epic stuff. And this is kind of uh, our criticism of Shampa over his progress run, is that he tries to make everything epic, and sometimes maybe he needs to reel it back a bit, or build up to it a bit more first. Well, he certainly and built felt up like to he... it in this one. <laughs> he, he built up to it for a while, but it, it didn't really land for me, just because that... that Double pin was just so out of the blue, and it felt like it just went by without anyone really acknowledging it. Like it felt like such an insignificant part of a match, even though it should have been like the key part of the match.
1: I think this is going to be one of those matches that we're um, our opinion is split on. <laughs>
2: I um... did very much enjoy the third fall, and especially the ending. I thought they got across every message, every key story point. That they needed to uh with saber kicking out of the first project Shampoo as he has done before but then he also kicked out of a pedigree yeah. obviously the pedigree like a, a very smarmy you know anti indie move um with its history and then he kicked out of a top rope project Shampoo which looked amazing a- and really made champa look great oh uh, sabre looked great even and like Shampa doesn't need protecting. He's he's out the door. Yeah, yeah. So he he can give away that kind of move to Saber, and it's fine. It only makes Saber look really good, and I th- I think they did really well by Saber here. And you know, Shampa doesn't lose anything from doing that. He's off really? to WWE. He's he's already won. I, I think so. In, he can give that
1: in this match. Progress have done Rev Pro a massive favor because they've made Saber look like a like a million fucking dollars, whereas <laughs> yeah. Rev Pro. Where he's the champion, have had him job to Kurt Angle.
2: It's very very true. Uh, I feel like maybe Progress have done a better job booking their imports long term. They clearly had a good plan for Shamperer. They clearly knew that he was off to WWE, so they yeah it's, they that- didn't give any... he he never looked like better than Sabre Junior. But it's not like Saber Junior looks like way better than him. It's just Saber Junior looks really fucking strong for being uh-huh. able to kick out of that Project Champa and beat the guy who's off to WWE. So hopefully they do something with Saber moving forward. Potentially Saber Haskins title match, which would be a a That'd European Dream match.
1: It'd be very good. I um, I really like this match. Um, so I'm I'm probably going to be like the the high man on the the totem pole out of um like I I, I don't know what uh, Rob hasn't seen it yet, has he?
2: He's he's waiting for um he's doing a Kazuna Road two thousand and twelve. He's waiting for Endeavor to come out, where the uh, War Machine team faced uh, the South Pacific Power Trip um, in singles competition. So, <laughs> okay, he, he's uh, Kazuna Roaded that, himself again. That was
1: uh, Endeavor seventeen, wasn't
2: it? I I I don't know the Endeavor numbers yeah. off by heart, but it, that was, was, was the one. The one with the two singles be- matches. Yes, the one yeah, before that's, 35. That's up. 30, cha- cha- it was before Chapter 34, actually, so it's yeah, it quite a lot to catch that's, up on. That's def- definitely up, because uh, I've seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen it, but well, that's, maybe Robert's be it. As you'd expect, those
1: are two very good matches. Um, uh, Travis Banks and uh, Ray Rowe, and uh, TK Cooper against Hanson. Uh, the Banks and uh, Rowe match is better, uh, but they're both very good matches. So if you cherry picking oh, stuff from Endeavour, I'd I'd watch those too. and there's um there's a women's uh, tag match on that as well that Ginny referees. It's pretty
2: okay. good. Speaking of Travis Banks, notable by his absence on this show, very very yeah. disappointing that he wasn't here.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate.
2: But like they they planned out the show before he'd become like such a hidden gem on the European scene, so maybe that's why. Hopefully they have bigger plans for the South Pacific Power trip going forward.
1: I hope so. But uh, they've both been outstanding recently. Um, I kind of get the feeling they didn't want to shoehorn them in somewhere just just for the sake of it. But uh, I'm sure that they'll feature in uh, in plans coming up. I know they're in um, they're in a triple threat match uh, for tag team contendership, which they probably won't win, but at
2: least they're in the in the mix. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to The Origin. The Lads, the Lads. versus FSU, Damon Moser, and Jack We were all
1: so convinced that The Origin were losing and getting broken up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like they were going to lose. And even like the way the match was laid out, it seemed like they were going to lose. Because they were once again like playing foil to everyone and giving the shine to the faces. But uh, at the end... Zach Gibson looks really strong by beating, um, the leaving Jack Gallagher.
1: Well, not only that, uh, in a got, very
2: convincing way as well.
1: He, he got absolutely
2: ridiculous heat on this show. Oh yeah, <laughs> the toilet paper spot was probably one of the most memorable things that happened on uh, the show. I I think this is probably going
1: to be a, a thing going on because you first of all you had streamers flying in, then there was beach balls, and then all of a sudden there was just <laughs> toilet paper everywhere. Uh, there was still t- look as I was walking out the venue. there's bits of toilet paper all over the <laughs> building because it got dragged everywhere when uh, yeah. when they brawled around the building. So
2: uh, yeah, that that was something. That was a visual.
1: <laughs> a hell of a paper visual
2: raining in. But, uh, uh, I I believe it was um, Gallagher himself who planned that. He he said something like, uh, "How much do a hundred toilet paper rolls cost?" <laughs> to Jim Smallman, really. So I, I believe he was the one who uh, instigated it.
1: There was certainly the atmosphere before that match. I was talking about like, the uh, the atmosphere in the building. Just before that match and like probably during the first half of it, it, it had some of, some of the best reactions of the entire night. It's like the from the point I think that uh, party hard started playing,
0: got like, yeah. like,
1: everything from there up until like you know the balcony dive and, uh, and all the crazy stuff in the crowd that was all just the reactions were ridiculous for that it was like being in a, uh, a either a rock concert or you're in a club and like your favorite song comes on and all your mates are there <laughs> it was it was like that it was that kind of atmosphere in the crowd like people were
2: dancing <laughs> the origin do that they they have that ability to make everyone against them seem just like ultra stars like at the Super Strong Style tournament, uh, the day one main event where they were defending the tag titles and lost the tag titles, it was that kind of atmosphere. It was a party atmosphere, especially when they lost and everyone just, like, jumped to their feet, but they didn't really lose and John Briley had screwed up and was playing the music too early. And then they actually did win and it was just, like, going... Everyone was going crazy. Like, everyone was out of their seat. Uh, Alan, Alan Forel, was, like, up on the balcony going crazy. (laughs) Um... It, it was a lot of fun and I can imagine it was very similar here. I would also Seems. say that FSU F, it was scenes FSU were the first uh, wrestlers who like conquered that entrance way that stubby little entrance way by just like blowing straight past it and going straight into the crowd and like you say partying hard with everyone there like it felt like they were the first people who had like mastered interacting with that venue and like that crowd set up.
1: It's like the uh, when their music kicked in, everyone's up on their feet and like uh, you know, there's people waving their arms around and shit. And I was just kind of, I was I was standing there just getting into the into the the tune, so I, I really like it. And um, all of a sudden, I turn uh, to my right hand side and Mark Andrews is there, and it's like Jesus Christ, where did he come from? <laughs> so he just he just bolted straight down the, uh, yeah, the
2: aisleway. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, And then Damon Moser came out and he had a new hat. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, Diamond Moses, and then Jack Gallagher came out, <laughs> like, and the crowd's all up on their feet, and like uh, the, the reaction for Jack Gallagher was fantastic.
2: Really oh yeah, was. definitely. Like it definitely felt like a great sending off moment for him. Like he's accomplished so much very quickly. So, like, such a short period. It was of like time. at the start of the year we were saying, "Oh, he has potential. He could really do something this year." And now he's off to WWE. It's like. Uh, what?
1: (laughs) It's it's been under a year and he's gone from being a guy that we thought was going to be potentially at some point uh, keep in mind, at some point, not this year, was going to be up in the main events in Britress, and uh, he's Mm. gone. (laughs) That's a WWE. Ridiculously (laughs) early.
2: And I'm, like, his participation in this match and his sequence with his his sneaky good feud with Zach Gibson this year um... Was, well, you know, came to an end well, with they're, Gibson they're going over same,
1: uh, like they've got the same Manchester background uh, uh, yeah future shock so I
2: saw uh, a match. they were both on the uh the Tetsujin show they had a match the with uh, Guy wearing Gallagher beating yeah. Gibson they're,
1: they've been uh, working together for a while and uh, they've got really good chemistry it's kind of a shame that uh, they've got to the point where they would probably at some point have uh like a progress title match that would have
2: been really good and yeah. uh,
1: he's gone, so they can't. It's, <laughs> it's a bit of a
2: bummer. But I, I liked the way Gibson won with a new finisher, the spinning suplex thingy. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, have a name yet. I, I
1: don't know what the name
2: is now. The Anfield suplex, I don't know. <laughs>
1: I know there was. A, they got the car stereo in just right before yes. that.
2: Came, came back to save the day.
1: <laughs> so... You know, they've, they've kind of been introducing these things and you kind of, you, you were thinking, oh, it's because they're done. Uh, but it could just be that they're taking it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and they are because Gibson's challenging for the title yeah. in next show.
1: Yeah. I'd really hope he doesn't win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it, there would be scenes of a different nature if he did Yes, win. yeah,
1: yeah. I think they've got a problem uh, there because like, they can't, they can't go jobbing out Haskins like straight away because no. he's, he's too good for that. He needs to have a run.
2: Um, but then, Shenanigans he, will happen.
1: <laughs> I think they're looking at Gibson and thinking like, well, he's got this much. He has main event heat. So it's just how long do you hold off? And mm. they put him straight in there. But that kind of suggests to me that they're going to put him in there so he can narrowly lose and then come back later and win like Haskins has done, like Osprey did. That seems to be the pattern for their, their champions.
2: Okay, so do you have anything else to say about this match? Or should we move on to the main event?
1: Uh, oh, um, I like the um, uh, Dave Mastiff in this match. I'm going to have to give, give him some credit. Uh, my favourite Mastiff moment uh, was when uh, Gallagher tied all the rest of the Origin up in the, <laughs> um, uh, the submission... Well, it's not a submission hold, it's, it's just a hold... <laughs> uh, where he just ties them up into a ball, uh, which is called "I bloody love the Graps, me." And then you've got Mastiff gets in the in the ring, and he's trying to figure out how to do it. And it's just you can see the cogs kind of whirring away, yeah. as he's like, uh, uh, and they just kind of put you know knock someone over sideways. Or, oh, there we go.
2: That's
1: good stuff. It's good good stuff from Mastiff in that match.
2: Okay, so now the main event: the Triple Threat for the Progress Championship. Mark Haskins is the champion. He defeated the former champion Marty Skull and I'm sensing a theme here, the departing Tommy End.
1: Yes. Well we we were talking about this and saying like well Tommy End has to be in this rap match for a reason uh <laughs> um, and in the end he wasn't he was just there. In, in the
2: end he wasn't even part of the fall he was just there to look really good and kick out of all of marty's girls offense <laughs> which yeah. makes you question why because we've, we've said shamper and gallagher put over people on the way out and now gibson and sabre look really good I mean, and in end just didn't
1: <laughs> no no but then um i kind of understand the finish had to be what it was um
2: they were telling stories.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you had well, you had Jimmy Habbott come out and to a, a monstrous reaction and people singing along to his uh, uh, tune that um, uh, the AFI song I hope you suffer. That's it. Um so when that ca- kicked in and lucky like, came out, the reaction was just ridiculous. I, it was two thousand people just going completely apeshit. Um but then he comes so he comes into the ring. Uh, give Skull the uh the old acid rainmaker and I figure well well that's the end of the match then. And yet, you know, Skull's up after that, hitting people with umbrellas. It just seemed really weird that like he they had have it come out, do this big spot that should you know, change the course of the match, and yet there's Skull still hitting the offense afterwards. It was really odd. Yeah,
2: Tommy and also did a dive onto Haskins on the outside and then like seconds later Haskins was up and like sharpshootering Skull for the finish. It was the end was very odd, <laughs> I guess. Well,
1: they had they had a lot of stuff that they wanted to put into that that finish, and they put it all in there, and it kind of didn't work like it could have done. That said, I did really enjoy the match. I thought all three of them uh, did did uh, good work. Uh, Skull's entrance was terrific with the uh, the Ford. Um, uh, Skirlets or whatever they were—the um, the sc- sk—the girl girls, Skirl girls, and the umbrellas, <laughs> and the uh, the fur coats. I thought that was that was a nice touch. It made him look like a real big star, and it made uh, the whole uh, main event featuring three um, European talents uh, feel like it was worthy of being there. I thought.
2: Tommy N's entrance gear looked amazing. I thought he looked like a proper star, like a WWE superstar <laughs> in his entrance. Um, like with the face paint and the the black yeah. uh streamers. Felt like a funeral.
1: <laughs> well he's gonna like do a Satanic well. You, funeral.
2: you know he's gonna do well when he goes. He is to gonna him. do well. He has the perfect look. I think of all the
1: of all the guys that we've lost um, I think Tommy is the one who has gone there with the most to gain. I think he he has potential to be a, a real big star in America because he's mm, got a, he I... has a unique look. Uh, he has terrific in ring skill, especially with the strikes. He's, he's uh, unprecedented in in that, and uh, he can talk.
2: He cuts. I think a great he can get to the same kind of overness in NXT as Nakamura. I'm not. I don't know about main roster. I'm sure he'll do well on the main roster, but I think. With that full-sale crowd, they'll eat him up. Yeah. They'll love him.
1: I think the problem he, he will have uh, all the time is that um, Vince seems to have this thing about not pushing um, like people who can't speak English as a first language. Uh, but
2: then he's, he speaks it like a first language. Yeah, almost. he's completely like, foreign He has an English, accent, but... And his promos yeah. are really good,
1: <laughs> so that could possibly work in his favour. But then, I've always thought Cesaro's promos were really good and it seems to be a
2: hindrance for him. <laughs> he can speak seven languages, but... Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I was very meh on the match. Like uh, I was just waiting for the finish and I think a lot of the crowd were as well. Like Everyone knew shenanigans were going to occur, uh, what... especially in the triple threat atmosphere. My, so... my
1: second viewing of it uh, i liked the match a lot more because i knew where it was going um so i enjoyed the uh uh like the, the various little one-on-one sequences that they had and a couple of the uh like the um uh triple the, the, like the three-way things like haskins getting both of them in the armbar uh both of the baby faces doing the uh the superkick, just kidding deal uh to Skrull. i thought they did some good stuff in the match i, I really enjoyed it Uh, But like I say, at the time, it was constantly waiting for what's going to happen. Like, what's the finish going to be? And I was just, I I don't know if I was nervous, but I really wanted Mark Askins to win. And uh,
2: that played into my reactions when I was there uh, live. Do you think that with the Jimmy Havoc interference and the, uh, like, the farewell for the three guys leaving after this match... The Haskins actual title win moment got a bit lost in the shuffle uh, when I was watching it uh, uh, live, it did. Um, because
1: uh, as soon as the match was over, they had Tommy end because, like, uh, on the VOD, you see uh, Haskins getting his hand raised by Tommy end and hugging, and that's like the end of the show. It's
2: like Haskins there with yeah. the belt. Uh, I where... think that's a much better end of the show, to be honest.
1: Yeah, that was. Than... That was a good finish to the show. But basically what happened after that was uh, Mark Askins left, went to the back, Tommy End stayed out there, and they brought out Champa and Jack Gallagher, and all three of them got like a send-off with all the crowds standing up and, and uh, like applauding and stuff. And I'm sure I said something to uh, Jim Smallman about this, saying that it felt odd that, you know, you have this uh, champion who'd, who'd been battling to get to the top, and like he finally gets there, and you finish the show with like three guys who are leaving. Mm. And I thought that was really weird. So to see it not happen on on the VOD, that was a lot better for me. That really capped the show off perfectly, having it finished yeah. with Haskins holding the belt in the air. That was a much better visual.
2: Definitely. I mean, I, I mean, the, the, the champion is the one staying on. Uh, yeah, the guys yeah. leaving have already had their moment. I, 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 I'm being cynical, obviously, but uh, I, I don't feel like they needed to do that cut and cool at the end. Like I feel that was just a bit of posturing. <laughs> like I'm sure it was fun for the live crowd to say goodbye to them in that way, but like it kind of undercuts the champion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm glad like like I said before, they didn't do that on the uh, on the VOD so it only yeah. it was only if you were there live that it felt like his his moment had got like um overshadowed yeah. by the uh, the three guys that were leaving. Um, and it was nice for those three guys to to get to stand there and get you know uh, applauded by a couple of thousand people because uh, all three of them deserve it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish them all the best of luck in um, in the bigs, the big leagues.
2: Definitely, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time for wrestling to see all these guys get a shot in a place where traditionally these guys would not get a shot. No. So. We'll see how it goes.
1: Especially Jack Gallagher, it's it's really weird seeing him
2: uh, like head off <laughs> to uh, the, the land of the giants, but he f- he feels like he belongs. Well,
1: that's that's fair play to him.
2: That's so yeah, play. that was that was Brixton, and depending on like how important you place match quality over just like big moments and stuff. The show may have been a disappointment. Uh, I don't think it was per se, but maybe from a match quality point of view, it didn't live up to what it could have been.
1: Um, yeah, I think we're going dis- to disagree slightly on this because I, I really <laughs> thought that I thought the main event was was just north of four stars. Um, oh wow! Yeah, um, but based on the story that they were telling and the way that they got there, uh, I thought all the the work in the main event was very good. Uh, also uh, Sabre and, and Champer I thought was north of four stars um, I thought that but then I really liked the, the technical stuff and that match was, was technical heavy, uh, when I was watching it live I could kind of sense people around me kind of drifting out of the match a little bit <laughs> um, but on on tape when I was watching it back I was, I was absolutely riveted to a match that I'd already seen so um, yeah I thought both those matches were really good and the tag title match like I say, just a shade under four. I thought those those three matches were worth turning it for, and uh, the women's match was good, and the origin match was good. So, what more do you yeah, want? Yeah, everything was
2: good. There was a there was a lot a high floor on this show. Uh, maybe perhaps a lower ceiling than I'm used to for a progress show, but nothing was bad at all. I enjoyed every match, or at least something about every single match, and. Um, there were plenty of moments that will be memorable. Maybe not as memorable as if I'd been alive, but there we go. That's oh, my yeah. problem. <laughs> Colin, um,
1: I, I had a bit of a chat with uh, with Alan Boone uh, before the show. Okay. And he, kinda, he asked where you and Rob were, and when I said you weren't there, he
2: said, "Well, I'm afraid you lose some credibility there." Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, missing the may- well, he was moving in, and it was like the day before uni for me, so those are our excuses.
1: Yeah, I did make excuses on your behalf, but... Uh...
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll be back in the electric ballroom soon enough. Uh, I'm looking forward. I, it's been a while since I've been to the wrestling, so...
1: Uh, so, after the uh, the Brixton show, um, Progress ran like a little after-show party thing at uh, Dogstar, and uh, like the advertising for it was basically saying, uh, "Oh, there's going to be some wrestlers there to, to like spin the decks and stuff." Uh, yeah. And I originally wasn't going to go because like I didn't really know anyone else that was going. Uh, but we had like a little post uh, post event pint in the um, uh, the Beehive on the uh, Brixton High Street, uh, which is the cheapest place I've ever been to in London in the entire city. I had a pint for three forty nine.
0: So next next <laughs> next year in Brixton. Very cheap. <laughs> yeah. Next year in Brixton. Yeah.
1: Beehive. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of bumped into a few of the lads there, uh, including um, a guy that's been on this uh, podcast, Galazzo Dan, uh, which is funny because, like, I'd never met him before. So we were kind of doing this uh, round of introductions with all the people that were in the pub. Mm. And uh, Elliot, I think his name is, the, uh, at Specific Luchador, uh, kind of introduced himself. I I said that I was uh my name was Arnold and there's there's dango Dan going like um as in Arnold Furious and I was like, yeah anyway, oh, I've done a podcast with you.
0: <laughs> that was funny. The stuff. wonders of podcasts the bringing podcasts people
1: together. Done a podcast with him, never met him. Um, <laughs> but yeah there was a lot of guys there and uh, uh made me laugh. I was talking to uh, Chris Linnae um after the show and he was talking to another guy and said something about Arnold Furious. And the guy goes, oh, is Arnold Furious Then he started looking around. I was literally standing next to him. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's me. Hey. <laughs> so, so that was fun. And these guys were going to the um, uh, the Dog Star. So I was like, oh, do you mind if I uh, tag along? Uh, which helped because I knew where it was and they didn't. Uh, so we walked into, into the Dog Star and my expectations are fairly low. I thought, well, you know, the, some of the Projo guys will be there, and, you know, it'll be a, a fun enough evening. Walked in, Roy Johnson's up there uh, DJing. I'd say there's about like 30 people there? Something like that? And I kind of get the impression that it's going to be a bit of a low-key affair, so I get completely slaughtered. Mm. And, uh, so I, I'm, I'm battered at this point, and Jack Sexsmith starts DJing, and... Uh, putting on stuff like the Quantum Leap theme tune and uh, <laughs> Creed's My Sacrifice, <laughs> which, yes, which is a real crowd pleaser for, for wrestling fans. <laughs> and um, I, I may have uh, told him that I was disappointed that I was already married because I wanted him to DJ at my wedding. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Jack Sexsmith. He's, he's a lovely, lovely man. Um <laughs> Uh, so the, the evening goes on and we're kind of out in the beer garden and uh, I mentioned like, uh, like, you know, does anybody know if Jim's going to be here? And they said, oh, Jim's in the, um, uh, he's in the bar in the front. So I walked through, recognized the uh, the baseball cap and so I tapped Jim Smallman on the shoulder. And he, he looks at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I introduced myself expecting like a handshake and he, he goes full on in for the hug wow uh, yeah yeah which was quite the, the moment for me um so I'm, I'm like marking out enjoying myself uh giving him advice on how to run a wrestling promotion because <laughs> i'm pissed
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um i was constantly rambling on about how happy i was that he put the belt on uh, on mark haskins <laughs> and and what, a, what a great wrestler Mark Haskins was. I was fucking love Mark Haskins. I, and like slurring like nobody's business. <laughs> and after a couple of minutes of this, uh, Jim turns around to me and says, well, why don't you tell him? And I was like, well, how, how can I do that? And he literally points to right next to where I am, but like, literally like a foot away and sat on the <laughs> edge of the table, swinging the his legs. His progress <laughs> champion, Mark Askins. Uh, with the biggest fucking smile on his face that I've ever seen. Like, literally, ear ear to ear, he looks like he's won the fucking lottery. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was just... The the whole uh, evening was full of little... um, uh, moments like that. I went out and had a chat with Trent Seven and I was telling him to uh, pass on my regards to Pete Dunn, And he goes, Oh, Pete Dunn's in the other room. So through we go. And I'm <laughs> shaking hands with Pete, telling him how proud I am of uh, the, the Midlands wrestling and, um, and so on and so forth. And uh, what I'd, later on, it, when I'm even more inebriated, walked around the corner and Jack Gallagher was literally just stood there, like right in front of me. And I'm like, hey! and I remember giving him uh, an extensive pep talk on uh, how to survive in the World Wrestling Federation, mm. which um, I don't think any of it made sense. But he w- was very gracious, and he t- t- took everything on board and smiled and shook my hand. and He's a lovely, lovely man. They all are. They're all lovely guys. And also, uh, it sounds
2: was... pretty cool to just walk around and find wrestlers there. Because <laughs>
1: well, when I got there, I, you know me; I don't like to go up to to wrestle. I've had like people. Uh, tell me about like experiences where they've spoken to wrestlers and they've just been assholes. So I, I try to yeah. distance myself from that because I'd rather just. just
2: I, I imagine know. that like all wrestlers are assholes. So I'm I'm pleasantly surprised when they're not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just I've always liked to distance myself from uh, from the boy. I, mean, I never used to. I used to hang around with uh, with a lot of wrestlers, but I've tried to distance myself from them since because I know that I'm writing about wrestling and I don't want that to be an issue. yeah um, but like everyone was lovely. Like everyone that was there was lovely. And I, I had to hold myself back in the end. So I didn't want to go and like interrupt people while they're having conversations. So I just kind of naturally hang back and like every now and again, I just bump into someone and have a chat and it was great. And if they do the same thing next year, I, I guarantee you they're going to have more people in there. Cause I've just rambled on about it for like five minutes <laughs> for the dog star show. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Um, one, uh, Major, major issue to come out of the uh, the after show though was uh, the debate that is uh, tearing British wrestling in half.
2: I have heard about this. Yes, <laughs> and, I have seen it unfold.
1: <laughs> and that is the, the dab debate or the dab debate. So uh, the debate. I I have to ask you, Ollie, where do you stand on on dabbing?
2: Where do I stand on dabbing? Uh... So I know Rob is anti. Rob is very strong anti dabs. I am softly anti-dab. Ooh. I'm am not totally against it, but it's just like it's just a thing some football player did once. It's like I don't I don't get the big hype around it. It's a, it's a thing. It's certainly a thing. <laughs>
1: I think the uh, the joy of the dab is that um, it is kind of a dance move that everyone can do, which. Um... When, when you're uh, a very uncoordinated wrestling fan, that's, that's kind of fun.
2: I just worry that it's been fandangoed by people like uh, Hillary Clinton doing it and the like. And it's like, well, that's not cool anymore because really uncool people are trying to do it to look cool. I
1: don't know. Well, I, I did a, a spreadsheet on it. and uh, <laughs> Generally, in, in wrestling, um, most uh, wrestlers are very pro-dabbing.
2: I, I I can imagine. <laughs> Pete I know a uh, Will Osprey, Ryan Smile, fan of a dab. I, I I could not imagine Pete Dunne dabbing. No.
1: No, he he was very anti dabs He said
2: it was. Um, well, <laughs> he used the
1: word shit.
2: <laughs> I I I'm in the Pete Dunne camp of anti-dab, but not strongly anti-dab. And I'm not vehemently against someone dabbing. <laughs> they can do it if they want to. I'll um will
1: have to feed back that information to the the boys who like the dabbing. there. Uh, they're not going to be best pleased. <laughs> that makes it an official uh, anti-dab podcast because it's it's no, like an two anti-dab one. Dab that's, podcast. That's <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was the uh, that was the Brixton after show. Um, just a, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it it didn't take an awful lot of organising, but they had uh, they had guys in there DJing and uh, you know the the wrestlers were were having a good time. Uh, Sounds so, awesome! Yeah, credit to, to progress for doing something, uh, something uh, uh, with wrestling interaction where drunkenness was involved. Normally, if you're drunk and you're getting uh, like the, the wrestling interaction going, it's kind of frowned upon. I imagine if you got to like access and you you, you have to excuse yourself <laughs> to go and vomit, then um, that's perhaps uh, you know frowned upon in, in uh, wrestling circles. But no, it was it was a positive atmosphere. And uh, as you always get with the with the majority of progress fans, I, uh, I enjoyed that a great deal.
2: But of course, you're all alcoholics, so. Uh,
1: yeah, apparently.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> we we have fun. Uh, we'll move on to uh, what do we want to talk about next. Do we want to talk about uh, the Osprey documentary, or do we want to talk about WCPW? Oh, everyone's I think, favorite. Yeah, I we might promotion. have to talk
1: about WCPW. Um, it was their I pay per view um, last night. As we record this on the on the seventh of October, they had a, they had a live uh, pay per view uh, last on uh, last night. Um, it was uh, an absolute fucking disaster. Would be the only way I could possibly describe it. Um, I, I think I saw about seven minutes of uh, like a, a two and a half two two hour forty five minute show. I'd like which is the second half of the main event. Literally nothing else worked. I sat there for the entire show hitting refresh. <laughs> and if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Arnold Furious, uh, you could just go and look at the, the GIFs that I'd put up. It's that nothing worked.
2: I, I, I've seen some of it and it's it's bad. It's like It, it kept getting refreshing stuck in two seconds. Oh, it, like awful. looping like two seconds of action and then buffering for a minute and then looping again
1: i had that one uh that one loop of jim ross saying the damage is done uh with <laughs> <laughs> uh with uh, adam Blompier hitting rampage brown in the ribs with the kendo stick over and over and over again it, it went on for minutes uh stood to the point where i like i told someone it was happening on twitter he told me to record it i did posted it and this was still it was still looping <laughs> like after i taped it on my phone and posted it onto twitter and it wasn't a very quick connection <laughs> off, the, off the phone i
2: guess the important thing is obviously we've seen per views fuck up in the past when it comes to wrestling uh but getting refunded for at least the live portion of what you pay for is maybe an important thing so is that happening or... Uh,
1: I've not seen anything, but um, I, I would imagine some kind of an apology show is in order. But then it's it's basically uh, signing up to the network. It's like if you sign up to the network and you watch SummerSlam let's say, and it, it buffers live, which it never does because they test it first. But um, you know, if, if that would have happened, do you think you get like a, a refund? I wouldn't have thought so.
2: There's there's the difference. WWE launched their network, um, like. Knowing that their live streams would definitely work every single time, and they have, because they actually put some planning into it.
1: Yeah, But this is the Whereas problem. Whereas, it is. I mean, like, just the, the fight TV um version worked. Uh, Martin Bentley was was watching it on uh on Fight TV. He he put down the extra money. Uh, which okay. so I looked at it and like you you could pay like fifteen dollars to to watch it on Fight TV, or you could pay like seven dollars. I think it was. And you get like a a monthly uh, subscription to this What Culture Extra. Well, that seemed like a no brainer to me. It's like WWE uh, still running pay per view when mm. you can get the network for for ten bucks. It's why would you keep buying the pay per views? It doesn't really make any sense. So I I just ponied up my my seven dollars and uh, and watched the uh, the What Culture Extra version of the show, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Like the the whole show was broken the whole way through sucks to her. Yeah, um, it did suck. Uh, I watched it this morning, so I've, I've actually seen the show. Because um, they, they left the, the stream up, so you could just basically rewind to the start of the stream and then play it from there. And it, it worked like that, but the whole point of paying to watch wrestling live is that you see it live. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't get to see shit.
2: Yeah. So. It, it's, it's a fuck up. Um... Are they doing any more ip per views soon? Uh, do we know?
1: I haven't seen anything planned. I know the um they're running like three shows on this tour, so there's one today, there's one tomorrow, yeah, and those shows will eventually find their way onto onto the YouTube. Um. So I, I don't know what the the plan is. Presumably, the next ip per view, if they were going to run one, would be uh the end of November, start of December, because Matt Hardy's coming over. So presumably that would be when they do the next one. Um, I would guess it'd be uh, over a month after now. So if somebody signed up for What Culture Extra, they don't get two big shows for it. If you know what I mean,
2: mm. they, it, they'd have to sign is, up again. It is. disappointing news, certainly. Um, like considering it's like such a big platform for people outside of Britain, outside of Europe, uh, to watch British wrestling, and then it fucks up like that. Uh, it's not not particularly good. <laughs>
1: I kind of got the feeling that when they're doing it on a on a Thursday, that they probably weren't aiming for a global audience, and they're probably just trying to get people from the UK to tune in. But uh, uh, they must have had uh, like more people viewing than they thought they would, because it just didn't work. Uh, which is a pity, really, because uh, when I watch the show back, it's actually quite good. Like the quality of the wrestling on the show was like reasonable. It probably mm. uh, I'd say uh, the best match was uh, Joseph Connors against Martin Kirby. Uh that was that was a very good match. It was a, a good storyline that they got going on. Um so the, like the quality of the show was fine.
2: But How was the uh, Suzuki match?
1: It was okay. It was fine. Uh, uh, Joe Coffey um I guess they went about ten minutes. Suzuki was a complete dick all the way through. wouldn't Wouldn't sell or anything. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great or anything. It was okay.
2: And of course, Rampage Brown versus uh, that guy from what culture?
1: Uh, Adam blompier who's um, who he gets some uh, pretty reasonable heat for for what he's doing. It's uh, kind of a like okay, a. I want to say he's a a manager. I would say. I don't really understand how the uh, the running of it works because uh, Adam Pacitti, the other Adam, is the, the general manager. So I don't really know what Blompier does other than manage. And he hasn't got a... a <laughs> like the, the guys that he had help him were like Prospect, um, who were managed by James R. Kennedy. So they already have a manager. And Big Damo, who was supposed to be in Florida and is never going to work for the company again. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what the deal is there. I don't know if they're just trying to phase those guys out because um they had uh, on the same show they had um, uh, primate and his um uh, relationship with his manager which was uh, Susie Kennedy who's another one of the uh, the like, the YouTube stars as it were. Yeah. So I don't know if they're just trying to phase all that all that out. Um but that would kind of take away from what they were trying to do in the first place maybe. I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs>
2: I feel like uh, we should move on. Talk yes, about go. WCPW for far too long. Yeah, that's that fine. Um, we'll uh, move on to uh, Osprey, the documentary that has uh, gone up on Kickstarter to be uh, funded. They've, I uh, should say, uh, it's being produced by Ryan Cass, who runs the Tag Rope magazine. Really cool magazine. That is, that is a good I've written magazine. I've them in the past. Yeah. Um, he is starting a Kickstarter, uh, he hopes to raise, I believe it is, $15,000 uh, to fund uh, about ha- half more of recording this documentary about William Ospreay. Will- William Ospreay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out like that. <laughs> Will Ospreay, also, it- William Ospreay is his Twitter name, That's I've-, I've been reading his Twitter a bit, so I think it just got stuck in my head will slash william osprey about his <laughs> his life career as it goes into a very interesting phase um we're gearing up for wrestle kingdom and they're hoping to raise the money to fly out to that and follow him uh around japan as he goes to wrestle kingdom which sounds really interesting to me Especially so um, they need they need the money to fly to japan is what the is what they're saying. and follow him around uh, they're gonna like record him at the RevPro shows a few more what culture shows uh, but yeah the general bulk of it will be to fly out to Japan and uh, spend some time in Japan um, and also uh, buy whatever production stuff they need uh, th- he has it all uh, laid out on his Kickstarter it, it seems very well planned um, for something that's rather come out of a blue. They seem to have like very much nailed down the finance and stuff, so you can read about the details all there, and about what they're aiming to do, and also a trailer for what they've already recorded. Um, because they essentially realised that they have inadvertently recorded so much stuff on Will Ospreay that they may as well go even further in trying to produce something feature-length about him from the stuff that they've already recorded, interviews, um, in-ring stuff, etc. Um, they, they recorded him and his bit on the, the Paul Heyman evening when he offered mm. him that fake Evolve contract, <laughs> which probably isn't going to go anywhere, but still an interesting well, moment. No,
1: because he, he signed for Ring of Honor instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's gotten a mixed reception, I would say, um, mainly surrounding the choice of Will Ospreay as the subject of the piece. People are saying, uh, I had a chat about this to some of the other Voices of Wrestling staffers. uh, Some of them are saying that Ospreay is not an interesting person to have a feature length documentary about. Like, Uh. uh, his story isn't worthy of that, I guess. But I would say that his wrestling career, especially this year, has been very uh, newsworthy. We've all been talking about him one way or another. And a brit in japan it's exciting it's different and to i i would say specifically following him to wrestle kingdom and following him around on the day of the show that would be some very interesting stuff that i would potentially like to see what do you think on
1: um well i watched the uh, new japan world did um uh, a lot of real short uh documentary pieces on on will i think about like, yeah 10 minutes a piece was it uh, just kind of... oh, yeah, they
2: they did some uh, like of him traveling to Sumo Hall for a nation attack. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the, they did a few pieces um, with him, and they, they were fine. Um, I, I can see where people are coming from if they they're saying it's just not going to be that interesting because um, he, he just kind of spent the whole time going, "Wow, that's impressive," and <laughs> you no, know, this is a you know, dream come true. Um, I don't know if, like that, like the other people are saying. I don't know if uh, Will is interesting enough to carry that for, for like ninety minutes. Mm. Uh, it, it's certainly a concern. Yeah. When, when I watched those little ten-minute pieces, I was like, "Well, it's, this is really nice. It's nice to see how humble he is. Um, it's nice to see that those reactions from him." But if it's stretched out to ninety minutes, I think he needs something else. Um, and I don't know what else they, they would talk about because. He is a relatively straightforward guy. He, he, you know, he wrestles and he doesn't have that, that personality. Like, say, um, uh, I'd like say if it was Marty Scurll. Marty Scurll doesn't, like, run his mouth all the time, you know? <laughs> he, he tends to... That is up. certainly
2: one thing that has turned people off, Will Osprey, is um, he comes across as a bit of a dick. <laughs> I'm not saying that he is, it's just the way he uh he's like just a presents a kid, though, himself he? I mean, it's like, it's like he's cocky yeah he,
1: <laughs> and he's only young so i can totally understand that maybe it might just be early in his career to do this kind of thing um
2: i would say that his i would say his youth makes him a little more interesting in that regard because uh his route to the top has been very quick it has been yeah, very sudden that's true. it's it's unconventional
1: it is fairly unique
2: I like obviously I uh, I get where people are coming from saying he doesn't have a like a story that would span ninety minutes, but that would almost say that all all, all documentaries have to be like a hard luck story of someone like struggling to get to the top and then getting there etc and going through strife. Maybe this is a different angle. Maybe seeing a guy who hasn't gone through that adversity now dealing with the very top. I, there's something there, Successful I Successful
1: people are always less interesting than failures. I think that's the, the main yeah. cause for concern. Like, um i tell you who I would love to see um, uh, cameras follow around right now, and that's Brian Kendrick. Because you, mm-hmm. you could do the whole thing of like, you know, where was he for like 10 years? <laughs> he's kind of fell off the map, but he still loved wrestling. And the emotion that guy has, because he knows he's at Last Chance Saloon, it's like there's a story there's a story worth uh with shouting about which is what um they did on the, the cruiserweight classic whereas with with will it's like he's got the world at his feet he's got the, the his career ahead of him I, i'm it's just certainly not sure how concern. interesting that's going to be uh, maybe if they focus maybe on the it's... whole uh the whole process of, of going to japan wrestling in japan um what wrestling is like maybe the a bit more insight into how the business works, maybe, and how uh, how hard or easy it is to get booked in, in other places. Yeah, That that would I, be interesting to me. It's just, if they follow Will around, and we're just hearing his takes on everything, I'd, I, don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be his that.
2: His Osprey eating a burger. <laughs> his Osprey in a, in a car. Yeah, I could see that it was potentially a concern that he's not the most interesting subject. I would say he's very topical. Um... And also, even if you're not a fan of Osprey, even if you're not interested in his story, the fact that someone is ambitious enough to try and take this on um, and maybe it won't come off, maybe the Kickstarter will fail, I I hope uh, he gets enough money to be able to go out to Japan and make something and give us a finished product. Um, Even if you're not... A fan of this particular subject, the fact that this is getting made and potentially pushing the way we look at wrestling into new areas is only good for you as a wrestling fan because it means that more stuff like this could be made in the future and surpass it. And we could get a whole new way of looking at wrestling and a new way of documenting wrestling than just like, you know, the, the, the sheets that we're used to. Yeah.
1: Um, well I certainly think it's uh, Ryan cast he seems like a, a good guy um, the uh, little fanzine thing that he does is really good um, so yeah I I, I hope he does succeed I, I'd watch it
2: we if you are uh, so, if you're part of wrestling Twitter you may well have already been aware of us because he'll probably have um, added um, or followed you on Twitter already <laughs> with the Osprey account but uh yeah or uh, I don't know what its Twitter handle is, but if you just search it's Osprey, just Osprey Film... Isn't it? it's, isn't it at
1: it's just Os- oh, Osprey, at Film, Os- at Osprey Film.
2: At Osprey Film. At Osprey Film, and you can read about the Kickstarter and see whether or not you want to donate to it, and wh- whether or not it interests you. Yeah, it's an intriguing concept, and it's an uh, intriguing project, and I hope it goes somewhere pretty interesting.
1: Okay, so... Um... We're going to have a little bit of a chat about uh, Global Wars. Uh, I know it's, it's still a month away at this point, but uh, some of the matches that they have named so far are tantalizing. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> tantalizing. The, um, they're the kind of matches where if I was sat there thinking, what, what kind of combinations of wrestlers would I like to see on these shows? That's <laughs> exactly what they've booked. Yeah. Um, so I have I have a list of five matches in front of me that are taking place during uh, the two Global War shows. I'm not sure which ones on which show. I haven't uh, uh, looked on the uh, the site. I've just looked on their their Twitter feed from uh, the past couple of days. So we've got Mustache um, Mountain and Mark Haskins against Los Ingobernables de Japón. That's going to be a very strong trios match. Very sure there's no weak link authentic
2: in Ingo Bernabé's action
1: that that should be outstanding. Um, we've got um, Jushin Liger is wrestling against uh Will Ospreay on the one night and Marty Skirl on the other. The, <laughs> the Osprey one, when they named that, I was like, I wasn't that excited because they'll probably do that in uh, in New Japan anyway at some point.
2: They've already done uh, well, it. in uh, Super Juniors. Yeah,
1: that was like just a block match, wasn't it? But they might yeah. do it as a like a proper singles match at some point during his winding his uh, Liger's career down because he's into his last like five years, I think he said. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. more more like a chance
1: a bigger event. Yeah, kind of chances thing. are he'll want to wrestle Will Ospreay at some point. So I wasn't so so hot on that, but but Liger versus Skull is this is potentially the only time that you'll ever see this match.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. It's two ultra charismatic guys. Oh, yeah, going at it should be fu- Should so, be very, very fun.
1: Very excited about that. We've got um, uh, Saber uh, is defending the title against Shibata if he's fit, which I think he's okay.
2: Yeah, he's on a uh, King of Pro Wrestling yeah. in a few well, they, days. They've been taking so. him
1: off the um, the Road to shows.
2: Yeah, I I think he'll, he'll show up. Yeah, so you've got
1: Saber <laughs> and Shibata two. I know Rob wasn't keen on the first one but I really liked it.
2: I really liked it too. Yeah.
1: Um we have this was named like uh this morning uh Michael Elgin against Trent Seven. Yeah.
2: It's going to be hard hitting. It's um, going to be strong style. <laughs>
1: well, you say that but that's probably not going to be the hardest-hitting sh- match on the show because mm-hmm. they've also booked Tomohiro Ishii against Chris Hero
2: my neck hurts just thinking about it Just thinking, it. thinking about it um,
1: <laughs> they it's like they're booking for us it's like they're going like well oh, the, the british roundtable guys are coming to those shows let's <laughs> let's book a few matches for them jesus yeah the, the quality of those alone is going to be well worth going and then some and that's not even the full card so it's like a month away and i'm already uh Beyond excited for those those matches and those
2: shows. The the Ishi Hero match is tempting me to skip my lecture on Friday. <laughs> I only have one lecture on Friday because art subject. Um, yeah, well, I you only have I one lecture well to that.
1: miss, but you you don't want to miss Hero versus Ishii, do you?
2: I I think wrestling is more important than
0: my education. <laughs>
2: education. <laughs> <laughs> and. I I I may may ask around uh for li- from listeners what they think I should do. Do they think I should uh stay up in Birmingham and study hard, No. hit the books, or should I? Uh, what's what's watch the le- two men? What is the lecture? Ruin on? their non-existent next. It is uh, on Sparta, I believe. You know, Ma Manly Spartans. That's
1: <laughs> fairly manly. Can you not get notes? <laughs>
2: I oh, you know, I have no friends because I spend all my time watching wrestling, so <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> maybe not. Um I it's recorded. They have this this newfangled thing where they can like record lectures and yeah. like the slideshow but, comes up with it.
1: Then why does anyone go anymore?
2: Because uh, you have to like they take attendance and if you don't go, then you're a bad person. I think I can skip one. I'll just claim illness and I hope they don't listen to the podcast. I'm pretty sure they don't listen. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's pretty safe. We're a niche, we're a niche podcast.
2: It, I, I enjoy being in this niche. <laughs> well, I, um, I think, uh, no one needs to know.
1: <laughs> uh, our niche is getting slowly bigger because um, the whole start of the uh, Voices of Wrestling flagship
2: show this week was, was dedicated to, to British wrestling. That's exciting. Yeah. The, the whole... We're getting recognized by the big boys. <laughs> big, the big boys.
1: I and mean, uh, Joe talked uh, extensively about uh, progress and what a great promotion it was uh, mm-hmm. on last week's uh, uh, flagship as well. Um, and I think that speaks volumes for, for how good the British scene is. And we've been saying this for the past uh, two years that this is as good now as it, as it, as it ever has been. We, we've got it so good. And it's showing no signs of slowing down. I mean, even uh, that we're losing guys like Tommy End, uh, Big Damo, Jack Gallagher, uh, uh, Noam Dar. Um, there are people who are slotting into those spots, which yeah, is uh, un- unthinkable a couple of years ago. If you lose, like, four top guys out of um, out of Brit Wrestling, who the hell's going to replace them? And, and now there's people queuing up.
2: It's awesome to hear Joe Lanza, like, say... American indies are so far behind the British indies in, like, presentation, and even, like, the wrestlers themselves, that's that's pretty exciting to hear that this is, like, the forefront, this is where you go if you want great wrestling outside of Japan and outside of WWE.
1: It certainly changed my, my viewing
2: habits. Europe is the place.
1: My viewing habits used to be, uh, like, when, when ROH was really strong i used to watch a lot of american indies this is like when danielson was there and uh samoa joe and so on and so forth uh, so we're talking like 10 years ago now and since then i've kind of lent towards japan i've always watched mm. some some brit rest but at the moment i'm watching far more than i ever have done before and it's because it's so good so when you've got that quality, I mean, it's... You keep coming back
2: it's going beyond even the top tier. So you got Progress, Rev Pro, and WXW, which are you know the the three big ones in terms of like match quality and presentation. You got ICW, but uh, we're not particularly big fans of that because they don't emphasize match quality yeah. as much as just attitude era stuff. But I, I they have I'll they have a out, niche um, fandom.
1: Fear and loathing, I would I would have thought.
2: Mm. That's but out. then you've also got Fight Club Pro, which are, Club are killing Club, it right now. They are
1: fantastic. <laughs>
2: And attack and like, all like yeah, loads of other promotions like attack and even just like your local indie is putting on good stuff and developing talent for the future. It's it's pretty cool.
1: It's very exciting and apparently Joe's joining us uh, now because he's he's, he (laughs) made some kind of demand last week that uh, like if if he didn't get a a a union jack. I can't remember exactly what the demand was. It was something along the lines of he wanted the um, uh, "God Save the Queen" or something played on the introduction. If he didn't get it, he was leaving, <laughs> coming to join the Brit Rest round Roundtable. But uh, it didn't happen. So, um, like, I guess next week we'll be chatting to Joe. And... Well,
2: we'll be chatting to uh, Sarah Keneally and Sarah can uh, the well World tag league soon enough.
1: And presumably Rob's going to want in on that, so like we won't be on the show at all. <laughs>
2: We're on a rotation now. Apparently. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Where's there's big demand, uh, big demand for the Brit Rest.
2: Well, it's all it's all progress from here. Uh, quite literally. Uh, oh, speaking know. of progress,
1: <laughs> their um, season tickets went on sale um, this past week, and I kind of bought one. So uh, I'll I'll be going to a lot of progress shows.
2: There's <laughs> that uh, twelve shows I believe, or 11, 11 or twelve. Um, it's a, on the season ticket. It's a lot. It's um. There you go. And you also get ten percent off of merchandise, I do believe. So <laughs> you'll be buying lots of merch.
1: Yeah, it's I'm just trying to add it up, but it uh, Strong Style Sixteen is three days next year. So there's like, fuck yeah, it's, it's like twelve shows. <laughs> it's good value for money.
2: Do you have any other thoughts, or should we wrap it up here?
1: I I think we're done. I think we're done.
2: I think we're done. But as, as I've really enjoyed this episode, we covered a lot of stuff, and uh, I, I think we have a direction for the future. <laughs> we've always been very like haphazard, but we've been like almost taking notes on air about like what's coming up next. We got apparently Joe Lanza, <laughs> the the Overlord of VOW, coming in, and also uh, the Tag League preview. So definitely look forwarding. As the, definitely um, look forward to that.
1: Uh, next time we're doing the WXW um. Uh, the Tag League review because the show's already happened but um, I've I've already seen the first two nights and the second one was blow away
2: good, it was fantastic so um, I imagine we'll have some fun talking about that Alright uh, plugs, do you want to plug anything?
1: Uh, no, no I'm fine <laughs>
2: uh, Yeah, follow me at another Ollie, Uh and the Voices of Wrestling um, review of Progress Chapter 36 is, has dropped <laughs> as we were recording so yeah Make sure you have a read of that. Um, Progress is biggest show of the year. And yeah, we will see you again next time on the British Roundtable. Good evening. Good night.